0: are listening to the sports daily i'm your host reality steve thank you all for tuning in good wednesday show for you unless you're a dallas cowboy fan because there is a lot to go over with the cowboys the statistics coming from sunday's game boy it's worse than you thought we'll look ahead to this weekend's games in the divisional round some numbers to lay at you The Eagles collapse, we didn't really spend a lot of time on the Eagles collapse yesterday, but it is about as bad as Dallas's was, if not worse. And I'm going to play devil's advocate for a bit in talking about all the sweeping changes people want to make with their teams. And I just want to play devil's advocate. I'm not saying this is what people should do, but there are just some unanswerable questions among fan bases. And I just want to go over them. And we'll get to all that momentarily. So let's start here in Dallas with the Cowboys. You know, they're taking a ton of heat. Dak's taking a ton of heat. Mike McCarthy's taking a ton of heat. Jerry Jones is taking a ton of heat. And look, it was an abject failure, what happened on Sunday. It's one thing to lose a playoff game. It's another thing to lose a playoff game when you're the two-seed, playing a seven seed, you're at home, you worked all season for it. You came back from three games down in the division to overtake the Eagles. Granted, a lot had to do with the Eagles melting down down the stretch and going one and five, but regardless, you win the NFC East. That was your goal to start out the season because then you knew you're getting a home game in the playoffs and you'd be one of the top four seeds. They do that, and they get the two seed. And then you go out on your home field, and you're down by four touchdowns in the second quarter? And you could be like, well, you know, I mean, uh, you know, they just bad. No, not bad luck. And I always give credit where credit is due when I read you a statistic that I found somewhere else. This comes from Bob Sturm, who is a former co-worker of mine. Or put it this way, I was a co-worker of his. It's not like I was running the station. But I um, uh, used to work at The Ticket back in uh, 2006 to 2008 in Dallas here. Um, interacted with Bob a few times, not a ton, because I was working the night shift and they were on the 12-3 to 3 show, Bob and Dan. But he has a sub stack that uh, I think is great. And this is unbelievable. I did not know this when it came to Dak Prescott. And again, like I can repeat over and over again, Dak Prescott is literally one of my three favorite players in the NFL. I just, for what that guy's been through, you know, drafted fourth round, thrust into the spotlight his rookie year, Went 13 and three in his rookie year, and I remember saying at the time, like, how is he ever going to top this? Like, and he hasn't since. And you know, you almost can't blame him, but for what he's been through, his the stance that he takes on mental health, the fact that he had a brother commit suicide a couple years ago, just like one of the nicest guys. Nobody has a bad word to say about him. But unfortunately, in his profession, you're judged by what you do on the field, and most importantly, you're judged by what you do on the field in the playoffs. Well, look at this statistic for Dak Prescott. This is the fourth game in his last five starts that Dallas has lost in the playoffs. This is also the fourth playoff game in his last five starts in the playoffs where he has failed to even get to 90 yards passing in the first half. 2018, he was 8 of 13 for 87 yards. They were trailing the Rams 20 to 7 at half in 2021. He was 9-of-16 for 89 yards. They were down 16-7 at the half to the Niners. Niners last year. He was 12-of-16, but for 81 yards and two interceptions in the first half, they were down 9-6. And then Sunday's debacle, 13-of-21 in the first half, 87 yards and two interceptions. They're down 27-7 at half. So the last four times the Dallas Cowboys have lost in the playoffs, those were Dak's numbers. Never even could get to 100 yards at halftime. And the team was outscored 72 to 27. So you can say all you want about, oh, the defense sucked. They did. They were terrible on Sunday. No matter what Dak did, he came back in the second half and threw for over 300 yards. Great. It's the most empty 400-yard game in playoff history because, of course, he's going to throw for a lot of yards when you're down 27 nothing. You're basically throwing every down the rest of the game. He threw over 50 passes. So I had no idea he was that bad in the first half of their last four playoff losses. How can you put yourself in that hole? You can't play like that in the playoffs. It just doesn't work. It's never going to get better if you keep playing like that in the first half. And it sucks to say that because he's such a great guy. Do you also see this statistic about the Cowboys of how bad this run has been for them? 12 and 5, three straight years in the in the regular season. We know this. The Cowboys are the only team with a top 10 regular season win percentage in the last 25 years in any sport to not even make a conference finals. I mean, they're thirty-six and fifteen over the last three years. That's the best record, top ten win percentage, any sport: baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. The main four. Twenty-five years, they're the only ones that had a top ten regular season win percentage, and couldn't even make a conference finals. Hell, only three teams didn't even make a. Only three teams didn't make the finals. It's it's. It's almost unexplainable what has happened here. And look at these numbers. If that wasn't bad enough for you, Dak's first-half playoff performances and their last four losses are god-awful. I'm sorry. You can't throw for less than 100 yards. And it's not like this is a running team. You know why? Because look at the Dallas Cowboys' statistics offensively and defensively the last three years. Okay? 2021. This came from Ryan Rossillo's podcast. Great podcast to listen to. He's always got great statistics. So credit to Ryan on this. In 2021, they were the three seed against the 49ers. They ended up losing that game. Remember, last play of the game, time ran out, where they could have had maybe a 30-yard pass into the end zone to try and win it. Anyway, third seed, won. Um, they, 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 were, they, were, they, were, they were third seed, so they played San Francisco, who was the sixth seed. That year... The Dallas Cowboys led the NFL in scoring, and they were seventh in points allowed. 2022, fifth seed last year. Ended up losing to San Francisco, but they won their first round playoff game. Last year, as a five seed, they were fourth in the NFL in scoring and fifth in points allowed. This year, against the best seeding they've gotten in a while, the two seed. First in the league in scoring, fifth in points allowed. So it's not like this team stinks. But it goes to show what I've said for the longest time. You just can't put anything into regular season statistics. And I'm going to get to this later when I play devil's advocate. But in the last three years, they've been a top 10 offense and defense in the league Yet their playoff record shows one and three. They're basically the Dodgers of the NFL because the Dodgers just boat race everybody. They win their division 10 of the last 11 years and they get to the playoff and they don't perform. That's all it's come down to with the Cowboys. Now, maybe you can say this year, yeah, they might have been fifth in the league in points allowed, but look at their schedule. The Jets, the Giants twice, the Commanders twice, the Rams when the Rams weren't any good the Patriots. Like, I get it. You probably have to take that in consideration. They didn't play great offenses, so that's why they didn't give up a lot of points. But Dan Quinn's defense, I mean, all I hear for the last three years is everybody singing the praises of Dan Quinn and what a great defensive mind he is. And then I watched that game Sunday and I'm like, where did his mind go? Did he leave it in the locker room? What the hell were they doing out there? How many times did Green Bay just run a basic out pattern and nobody was within 15 yards of the guy? like a total collapse on both sides of the ball. Why are you the number 1 team in scoring in the NFL? You put up almost 40 points a game at home in your 8 home games. You go undefeated at home and you go 8-0 and in the game that matters the most at home this year, you trail 27-nothing with 3 minutes left in the second quarter. It just it's unfathomable where this comes from. But those statistics are about as telling as you can get. So another statistic from Ryan Rossillo as we move on to the Philadelphia Eagles collapse, and it was a collapse of epic proportions because, remember, the Philadelphia Eagles led the Super Bowl last year by double digits at halftime against the Chiefs. One of the best Super Bowls you've ever seen. 38-35, Chiefs come back to win, and then Philly comes out this year and starts the season 10-1. and Has there ever been a bigger collapse in the history of football? Find me one. You can say, "Oh, they made the f- they they lost in the Super Bowl." The next year, they just they never recovered. They didn't even make the playoffs. Or they finished nine and seven and were bounced in the first round. No, these were the Super Bowl losers last year, who then started the season ten and one, and everybody was singing their praises. And Jalen Hurts was like minus three hundred to win the NFL MVP, and then they finished the season one and six. <laughs> what? You lose six of seven after starting ten and one? I mean, it makes it's just as confounding and confusing as the Cowboys on how bad they are just in one game in in the playoffs. When they get to the playoffs, they just don't perform like they do during the regular season. Philly, I I I don't even know how to explain it. Yes, at the ten and one mark, they had just beaten the Cowboys, uh, the Chiefs, and the Bills but they had a lot of close wins. Hey, remember, we went over this. Eight of those ten wins were by one score. So, yes, it was going to even out. But when you look at six of seven to end the season in losses, and five of those were blowouts, San Francisco manhandled them, Dallas manhandled them, Philly, uh, Tampa Bay manhandled them in the playoffs, the Giants manhandled them in the last game of the season. Like It wasn't like, okay, it evened out because they won so many close games in the first 11 of the season. And they lost some close ones. No, they got routed, and then you knew something was wrong. Did you see Monday night's game? This was a great statistic by Ryan Rossillo that he threw out. And I and this is this is straight coaching. The Eagles allowed ten pressures. You know how they, they track pressures from defenses on quarterbacks. You know pressured, sacked, forced out of the pocket, all that stuff. The Eagles allowed 10 pressures on Monday night to Jalen Hurts to unblocked rushers. So, because t- you're watching the game and you're like, my gosh, it just seems like every time Jalen Hurts catches the snap, within two seconds, he's backpedaling and throwing it off his back foot out of bounds. Well, that's because 10 different times, Tampa Bay, I guess, confused Philadelphia so much that they sent a rusher who had nobody blocking him. Ten times. I didn't even know that was possible. You would think after three or four or five, when you get to the sidelines and offense, you're like, okay, guys, we got to pick up the blitz better. We got to notify. Ten times this happened. That's why. So I don't blame Jalen Hurts for having a, a bad game. No quarterback, no quarterback, I don't care who you are, is surviving ten pressures with an unblocked rusher. Not just, oh, he was pressured because they brushed four and the offensive line was just missing blocks or they were getting bulldozed or whatever the case. Now, to combat unblocked rushers, the quarterback's got to get the ball out of his hands. So this is on the offensive coordinator because at some point you have to be like, well, we're we're sucking at picking up the blitz tonight, so we might as well just get the ball out of Jalen's hands. Like right when he catches it, throw a wide receiver screen, throw a slant, and hope the guy breaks a tackle. But I've never even heard of something like that where 10 times a quarterback was pressured because of an unblocked rusher. I've heard a quarterback pressured at the end of the game, you know, had 12 or 15 pressures, and you just watch a game, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this quarterback is running for his life all game long. Watch any Washington Commander game this season. All the sacks that Sam Howell was under, all the pressures he got, Bryce Young was terrible in the pocket most of the season, how many times he was sacked. So that counts as obviously a pressure as well. But now we got our answer as to why Jalen looks so bad. How how do you not fix this? Like I said, this was, and I think Troy Aikman had a great quote. He was on Scott Van Pelt after the game on Monday night. And he said, look, you know, obviously the broadcasters talk to both teams in the couple days leading up to the game. And I don't want to say Troy revealed something that he shouldn't have, but he was very candid and said, look, players and coaches all the time say the right things, but you could feel it that he basically said, Philly and Philly uh, players and coaches were saying all the right things leading up to this game, but you could get a sense that they didn't actually believe it. So if if the announcer for the game picked up on that, And then you saw what was happening out there on Monday night where it didn't even look like this team cared. I mean, just have some pride at some point. Like, Jesus Christ, would you block somebody and not just let them run and just absolutely demolish our quarterback? (laughs) Ten pressures to unblocked rushers. What are you doing? Did you watch film? You know Tampa Bay is one of the highest blitzing teams in all of the NFL. This shouldn't have been a surprise. This wasn't game one. This was game 18 of the season, and Philly just had no clue what to do. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Anyway, getting ahead to this weekend's games in the divisional round, the biggest statistic going around right now, and I'll share it with you, centers around that first game on Saturday, which is Houston at Baltimore. Right now, I believe it's Baltimore minus nine and a half. Some places might have it down to nine. Houston and Baltimore played in the first game of the season in Baltimore. Same location the game is this Saturday. And Houston was a nine and a half point favorite in game one. Excuse me. Baltimore was a nine and a half point favorite in week one, which makes a hell of a lot of sense because you had a rookie quarterback playing in his starting in his first NFL game and a rookie head coach in D'Amico Ryans. You're telling me 18 weeks later? The line is the same? What what am I missing here? This is an automatic play on the Houston Texans. Look, maybe Baltimore wins by two touchdowns. I don't know. But you have to play Houston. Why would you not? They're basically saying Houston hasn't gotten any better since week one. And it's like, yeah, yeah they have. They lost the week one game 26 to 9. Why is that interesting? Why is that relevant? Lamar Jackson, the last three years, is 1-8 against the spread when it's 7 or more. Remember when we bet against them after they had that big win, and then they were playing Arizona the following week, and I said, this is such a trap line. Everyone's going to be all over Baltimore because they just had an impressive win. They just blew the—I think it was right after they blew the Lions out at home, and then they go on the road to play Arizona, and Arizona was the worst team in the league at that point. And I was like, it's too many points, and they ended up covering. Well— Mar Jackson has covered one out of nine games when he's been a favorite of seven points or more in the last three years. Now that one cover was week one against the Texans, but I'm sorry, this isn't the same Texans team. That was CJ Stroud's first start and D'Amico Ryan's first game. I'd say they're a little bit better. Um, So if you're interested, uh, that's that's an automatic bet on the Houston Texans plus the nine, nine and a half. I, I just think that's too many points. And like I said, I told you what happened four years ago. Everybody just assumes that the two teams that get a bye are just going to win easily because they've had rest and they're playing a team that's inferior to them. Well, if that were the case, then the one seeds would win every single game and we'd have ones playing ones in the Super Bowl every single year. And I told you the statistic. What is it, 14 out of 48? Because the first 10 Super Bowls did not have seedings. So since they went to seedings in Super Bowls only 14 times, has the one played the one? And all you have to do as a one seed to get to the Super Bowl is win two home games. And yet, what, 33% of the time they can't do it, or only 33% of the time they do do it. Am I doing my math right there? Well, you know what I'm talking about. It's only happened 14 out of 48 times. Have both number one seeds been able to win two home games? That's all we're asking. Just win two. They haven't been able to do it 34 out of 48 times. So keep that in mind. And four years ago, like I said, Baltimore was 14-2 and two four years ago. In come the Tennessee Titans, who finished the season 9-7. and seven. Lamar Jackson was the MVP that season. Like, he's probably going to be the MVP this season. And what did the Tennessee Titans do? They beat him by 16 points, 28-12. So, as good as somebody looked during the regular season... I know I beat you over the head with this every single sport and every single playoff season. Regular season does not matter whatsoever. It means absolutely nothing. It places you in a certain place in terms of seating and home versus away, but even that doesn't play much of a role. I mean, home teams dominated in week one of the NFL playoffs. The only home team to lose, of course, Dallas Cowboys, but just keep that in mind. I'm not saying Houston's going to win, but if you're, you know, gun to my head, who I like in this game, spread-wise, I think that's too many points. I'll take the Texans plus the 9.5. So I wanted to end with this, and I wanted to play a little devil's advocate here for the Cowboy fans and the Eagle fans who are just up in arms about their coaching staff, and we need to fire everybody and all this stuff. Look, I'm not saying that Nick Sirianni doesn't deserve to be fired because I think he lost the team. Mike McCarthy didn't lose the team. But for whatever reason, in playoff situations, when the pressure is on, he just melts and the team melts every time. We've gotten three years of it. We've seen three years of, okay, well, he's one in three in the playoffs. So Jerry Jones is getting older and he's getting up there in age. He wants to win a Super Bowl. If you bring Mike McCarthy back next year, it's like, okay, we're running it back with the same exact team that did great during the regular season, but once again, Shit the bed in the playoffs. How can you get excited if you're a Cowboy fan? Cowboys could go 13 and 3 in the regular season next year and have the number one offense in the NFL like they have for two of the last three years. What will it matter? So the devil's advocate is this. What do you exactly do fans want? You know? Because the Cowboys are doing something right. It's not like they're fluking their way into the playoffs. They've had a good offense. They've had good defenses. You can't fire the players. I mean, you you can, but, you know, the biggest culprit, as we went over in the first five minutes, is how Dak has performed in the first half of playoff games. He's been terrible, flat-out terrible. He's also counting for $60 million against the cap next year. So what are you going to do? Oh, let's cut him. Let's trade him. You realize when you trade Dak, someone's going to have to say, yeah, I want to pay him $60 million next year. Again, who's going to do that? So you have to take that in consideration. Coaching staff. If Mike McCarthy gets fired, I wouldn't be surprised. He hasn't performed. He was brought in to win this franchise, the Super Bowl. And he's drastically underperformed when the pressure was on. One in three in the playoffs. And We've seen some of the things that led to those losses. The Green Bay loss was just embarrassing. A yeah, close loss. You only lost by seven last year to the Niners. But the year before, you lost to the Niners in the wild card round as a three seed. They were a six seed, and they came into your home and they beat you. So I, the writing is on the wall. I can see it. But to play devil's advocate, it's almost like, well, what's good enough for you as a fan? Do you want a coach that at least gets you there every year, and then you just kind of cross your fingers and hope you play better, or because bringing in a new coach doesn't guarantee anything? Year to year in the NFL is so hard to be consistent. The fact that Mike McCarthy has gone twelve and five three years in a row—it's the first time that's happened in Cowboy history since the mid nineties. Nobody's ever done that. So, I, I get the whole we need to win a Super Bowl, and he's not doing that in the postseason. But it's like, if you bring somebody in who doesn't go 12-5 and five next year, what are you going to be saying? Oh, shit. I mean, you just don't know. There's no guarantee, whether it's Bill Belichick, whether it's Jim Harbaugh, whether it's Mike Vrabel. Those are the three names being thrown around if McCarthy gets fired. I just, there's no guarantee. Every Everyone talks about, oh, it's a 17-game season. No, it's 17 one-week seasons for me. It's just, and when it comes to the NFL playoffs, you can't win the Super Bowl unless you get there. Mike McCarthy has put them in position for three straight years. If I were to tell you three years ago, before the 2021 season even started, hey, you're getting to the playoffs three years in a row and you're finishing 12-5 and each year, I guarantee every Cowboy fan would be like, sign me up. Would love that. Because at least we're in and it's given us a chance. Now, you don't reveal, you know, like you say, you can't go back in time and, and do that. But that's what I mean when I say, I don't know what fans want. Nick Sirianni took your team to the Super Bowl last year, Eagles fans, and then started you 10-1. and one, And you're basically, if he loses his job, he's losing his job over a seven-game bad stretch. Not saying it's not justified, but I'm just telling you to look at it and it's like, whoa. Wait a second. Now, if there's other stuff going on, which reports are locker room stuff, coach doesn't have a lot of respect in the locker room, then you're dealing with something different. But looking at those numbers, it's just incredible to think that a guy could take a team to the Super Bowl and one year later be out of a job because of a bad stretch. So I think for Philly, it just needs to be dissected. And I, maybe I'm I'm not in the Philly scene, so I don't know exactly what was going on behind the scenes and what was going on in the locker room there. But doesn't it seem kind of crazy? I mean, we might have two coaches replaced this year in the NFC East, who are the top two seeds in the NFC East this year, Dallas and Philly. Who one coach has gone twelve and five three straight years and brought you to the playoffs three straight years, and one coach brought you to the Super Bowl last year and had you out ten and one this year, and they both might be out of a job. That's It's very, very bizarre to think of. It's like, what do you want? New coaches don't guarantee anything. You could say, well, then if we keep with status quo, we're going to get repeating the same thing. And, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Yeah, it is. But I kind of liken it, and again, I kind of liken it to the Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers were a nothing baseball franchise. They had two Super Bowl uh, – Two World Series appearances in, what, 11 and 12, just out of nowhere, and they lost both of them. They were irrelevant for the longest time. And all of a sudden, they just get on a run in the playoffs. After ending the season about as poorly as you could, losing home field advantage, having to go on the road, and then having the greatest postseason ever for a road team, winning every road game you play in the Major League Baseball postseason. It's just, it's unexplainable. They might be irrelevant for the next 20 years, the Rangers baseball franchise. We don't know. But for one year, they struck gold. While Mike McCarthy has not given you reason to think things are going to change in the postseason, and Dak has been terrible in the first half of his last four playoff losses, what if next year it just clicks? The thing is, you just don't know. I know it's easy to say that now, but... I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate because all it takes is one good playoff run. That's all. One good playoff run. One of the statistics that I love to throw out is Eli Manning. Guy won two Super Bowls. Both times he won the Super Bowl. He was playing on wildcard weekend. 4-0. Oh. Two Super Bowl runs, 8-0, and oh, beating the New England Patriots both times. Eli Manning never won another playoff game outside of those two Super Bowl runs. <laughs> it's pretty amazing when you think about it, but it just goes to show all it takes is one run. I'm sure once he won that first one, they would be like, oh my God, Eli's one of the best quarterbacks in ever in playoff history. And then they do nothing for four years. And then they go back and they have another run, 4-0 in the playoff. And you're just like, wow. He never won a playoff game outside of those two runs. So you can't tell me that it's impossible for Dak Prescott to have a great playoff run sometime. Right now, not very good. 2 and 5. He's never had a good playoff run yet. But all it takes is him going 3 and 0 or 4 and 0 if they play on wild card weekend and they don't and you know or they get a one seed and they go 3 and 0 and win the Super Bowl. Then he's either 5 and 5 in his career playoff record or 6 and 5 and everything changes. But right now, he's 2 and 5 and he's 1 and 3 Under Mike McCarthy in the playoffs, I'm just throwing it out there. All it takes is one good season. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please uh, follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. The uh, Daily Roundup is up on uh, my website, or on on my other podcast feed, if you want to check that out. So, again, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.